Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. We want to thank everyone for um, the hardship that many of you uh, went through to be here uh, from around the country and, and uh, so many in the audience who care deeply about this issue as we do um, on the committee. Um, we're going to consider today, as you already know, the Marrakesh Treaty. The World Health Organization estimates that there are 36 million blind people in the world today with an additional 217 million who suffer from moderate to severe vision impairment. The Marrakesh Treaty will significantly expand the ability of, the blind, of blind and visually impaired people around the world to have access to books and other materials that the rest of us are able to take for granted. The treaty itself is based in large part on a long-standing copyright exemption in U.S. law known as the Chafee Amendment. The Marrakesh Treaty closely follows the Chafee Amendment, but will require a few changes to U.S. law. The Senate Foreign Relations Committee worked closely with the Judiciary Committee to develop the implementing legislation. There is broad support among the copyright stakeholders for Senate consent to the ratification of this treaty and for enactment of S-2559, the corresponding implementing bill. I have a number of letters of support from these organizations that I would like to introduce into the record without objection. And finally, I'd like to recognize James Brown, who is in the audience today. James is the immediate past president and a current board member of the National Federation of the Blind of Tennessee. Um, we welcome him and all of you who've come out of great interest for this treaty being enacted. We thank you for that. And now I'll turn to my friend, Ranking Member Senator Menendez. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, um, and thank you for holding this important hearing. Let me welcome our distinguished panelists and to all of our guests who have taken the time to come here today for this important hearing. The consideration of treaties is among the most important responsibilities of this committee, and I wish we could do it more often. I'd like to welcome in particular one guest we have in the audience from the great state of New Jersey, Joe Rafalo, Jr. He is a veteran who has served our country in Vietnam, earned a Bronze Star. He's been a businessman and a community leader in the Lions Club, the Knights of Columbus, the Boy Scouts of America. Though retinitis pigmentosa has claimed his vision, Joe has done critical work to assure the full integration of people with disabilities into our society. He served as president of the Special Education Parent and Professional Organization for 13 years, past chairman of the Board of Trustees of the New Jersey Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired, and he currently serves as president of the New Jersey Federation for the Blind in Position. He has held since 1993. So Joe, thank you very much for being here, for your advocacy. I also have been joined by another New Jerseyan, Linda Melendez. That's L, not an N, so we could be cousins, maybe. Uh, we're one, one N apart, but uh, who has joined you, and I welcome her here today as well. I have long been a proud champion of the disabilities community because I believe that everyone should have the opportunity to achieve their dreams and fulfill their God-given potential. The pursuit of accessibility and reasonable accommodation for all embodies the greatest and best of American ideals, the principles of equality and the protection of minorities, as well as the unalienable right to pursue happiness. I was a strong supporter on the Convention for the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which promoted the fairness and equality that people with disabilities enjoy here to countries around the world. As chairman of this committee at the time, I held two hearings in the late 2013 to consider the convention 
and was proud to support the successful passage of the convention from the committee in 2014. I was disappointed that the full Senate did not take up the convention, but we've continued to work to advance the rights of those in the disabilities community. Today we consider a narrower but still critically important treaty intended to break down barriers that have prevented those with disabilities from accessing and learning from books and published materials. Book famine, or lack of access to accessible texts, disproportionately impacts those with reading and visual disabilities. The National Federation for the Blind estimates that only 5% of published books can be found in an accessible format in the developed world. That percentage is even smaller in the world's poorest countries. Modern technology can be used to convert books into accessible format, braille, digital braille, or navigable audiobook. But restrictive national copyright laws have hampered these efforts, and even once produced, incompatible national copyright laws make it difficult for countries to share their formatted works. In 2013, representatives of 51 countries met in Marrakesh to address this issue, and all eventually signed on to the treaty, whose primary objective is to ensure that persons with visual impairments are able to exercise their right to freedom of expression, education, and the opportunity to conduct research. The treaty requires signatories to create an exception in domestic copyright law that would allow authorized entities to create published works in a format accessible to visually impaired persons, allow for the impact and export of these works, so long as national law allows and the recipients are the intended beneficiaries, and ensures that all exceptions and limitations to copyright laws do not prejudice the legitimate interests of the works right holders. The United States signed the treaty on October 3rd of 2013. It entered into force in 2016, and it is about time that we ratify the treaty. Let me just close by giving one example. This treaty would bring concrete benefits to visually impaired Americans like Veronica Gaspa, a young constituent of mine from South Orange, New Jersey. She is the president of the New Jersey Association of Blind Students and a junior at Seton Hall University who is studying English and journalism. When Veronica was in high school, she took Spanish but couldn't get the Spanish materials she needed to follow up with her fellow students. And by the time an accessible copy was made, the school year would be over. Veronica was always interested in other cultures, but she and many other visually impaired students she networks with stay away from language classes in college out of fear they won't be able to keep up or get materials that would help them learn. She is friends with blind people around the world, but cannot recommend books to them because there likely is not an accessible copy in their country. Ratifying this treaty would have a direct impact on the lives of Veronica and her friends. Uh, for over three years, my staff has worked with the staff of Senator Corker, as well as the staff of the Judiciary Committee, in a bipartisan fashion to advance this treaty and its implementing legislation, which I understand has the strong support of each of the stakeholder groups represented here today, the visually impaired community, libraries, and the Publishers Association. Proud to serve as an original co-sponsor of the implementing legislation, uh, and I look forward to hearing from our panelists and hopefully, Mr. Chairman, adopting the treaty pass, helping you pass it, and hopefully getting passage on the floor. Thank you, thank you so much. We will now turn to our first panel, and uh, our first witness is Manisha Singh, Assistant Secretary of State for Economic and Business Affairs in this role. She's responsible for advancing American prosperity, entrepreneurship, and innovation worldwide. I would note that she also served as Deputy Chief of Counsel to this committee. We thank her for her service here and with the administration today and for being here. And with that, if you could summarize your comments in about five minutes, we'd appreciate it. Thank you, sir. 
Chairman Corker, Ranking Member Menendez, and members of the committee. Thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today to testify in support of the Marrakesh Treaty on behalf of the administration. I would like to begin by saying a few words about the importance of this treaty. Today, there is a shortage of print materials formatted to be accessible for the many millions of people around the world, including Americans at home and abroad, who are visually impaired or have other disabilities which prevent them from reading standard formats. Less than 10% of books published worldwide every year are available in braille, large print, or accessible digital files according to figures compiled by the World Intellectual Property Organization, better known as WIPO. This lack of resources creates a deficit of information, culture, and education for persons with what are known as print disabilities. The Marrakesh Treaty addresses the gap in access to print materials for these persons by providing, with appropriate safeguards, that copyright restrictions should not impede the creation and distribution of copies of published works in special formats accessible to individuals who are blind, visually impaired, or otherwise print disabled. It also fosters the cross-border exchange of such accessible format copies internationally, as Senator Menendez observed. I would also like to discuss the important history of this treaty, as well as what U.S. accession would mean for the purposes of our domestic law. The United States was actively involved in the preparatory work for this treaty over a number of years. We played a leadership role at the diplomatic conference in successful negotiation of the treaty, culminating with its, with its adoption by consensus on June 27, 2013 in Marrakesh, Morocco, at a gathering of 600 representatives from WIPO member states. This achievement is a tribute to the sustained commitment, effort, and engagement of a number of U.S. federal agencies as well as devoted stakeholders from the private sector and NGOs. In particular, the United States Patent and Trademark Office led the negotiating team, assisted and joined by experts from the U.S. Copyright Office, the Office of the United States Trade Representative, the Department of State, the Departments of Justice and Education, and the Institute of Museum and Library Sciences. I list this group of agencies to fully impress upon the committee how extensive support is for this treaty throughout the administration. Our negotiations consulted closely, our negotiators consulted closely throughout the process with U.S. stakeholders representing intellectual property rights holders, print disabled individuals, libraries, and other organizations that play a vital role in distributing copies of accessible format materials. Many of them were in Marrakesh when the treaty was finalized, and it's great to see a number of them in the room here today. The United States signed the Marrakesh Treaty in October 2013, and it was transmitted by the White House to the Senate for consideration in February 2016. The treaty entered into force in September 2016 when Canada became the 20th nation to ratify it. Today, 35 countries have ratified or acceded to the treaty. But none of these countries 
has the range of print materials as the United States. The Marrakesh Treaty contains two principal obligations. First, it requires parties to provide exceptions in their national copyright laws for the creation and distribution of accessible format copies for print disabled persons. Second, it requires parties to allow the cross-border dissemination of accessible format copies, increasing the number of accessible works available in, in each country, including in the United States. The provisions of the treaty keep the scope of the required exception within the parameters of existing international copyright agreements and are compatible with existing US law. The treaty requires other countries to adopt exceptions modeled closely on those already found in US law. Since 1996, section 121 of the Copyright Act, better known as the Chafee Amendment, has provided a copyright exception that permits authorized entities such as libraries to reproduce and distribute accessible format copies to persons who are blind or visually impaired. This treaty is critical to providing asset access to learning by the blind community and individuals with other print disabilities worldwide. Ratification by the United States of the Marrakesh Treaty will have a significant positive effect. It will allow Americans with print disabilities to access an estimated 350,000 additional works that they can't currently access. Thank you for your consideration of the Marrakesh Treaty. And with that, Mr. Chairman, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you so much. With that, uh, as is the norm, I'll turn to our ranking member. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Ms. Singh, thank you for being here and for your testimony. I'm pleased that we're holding this hearing today on a critical treaty. I wish we were doing it more often on other treaties. I think treaty consideration is a critical part of our job on this committee. They enhance and increase stability in an uncertain world. They can deliver material, tangible benefits to the United States, its citizens, and businesses. And I see treaties as extending American values and principles as international norms. Would you agree with that? Yes, Senator, I do think treaties are important. Besides this treaty, do you know what pending treaties the State Department consider a priority for consideration by the committee? Senator, the administration is currently reviewing and finalizing its treaty list. I'd be happy to get back to you. I, I, if you would do so, I'd appreciate it for the record. Uh, have all aspects of the implementing legislation for the Marrakesh Treaty been resolved to the satisfaction of the State Department and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office? Yes, Senator, I believe at this point um, we have closely consulted with stakeholders and throughout the interagency and the implementing legislation is in a format that it is uh, feasible to move forward. Right. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'll, I'll wait to come to you. I know you want to get settled, Senator Cardin. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I, I thank the Chairman and Ranking Member for their leadership on bringing this treaty forward uh, with the hearing in this committee and hopefully moving it quickly. Um, the chairman and ranking member proudly recognize uh, the presence of constituents from Tennessee and New Jersey. I, I just would like to note for the committee that the National Federation of the Blind is headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> and I know we have a lot of Marylanders who are in the room. It's the oldest and largest nationwide organization of blind Americans. For over 60 years, the National Federation of Blind has been leading source for helping blind and those with low vision 
find the resources, support, and hope they need to lead their lives they want. I really want to applaud the National Federation of the Blind. They have not only been the leading voice on behalf of the visually impaired, they've been a leading voice on behalf of all people with disabilities and have been a constructive force in our community on just about every issue concerning quality of life for the people in Maryland. I also want to just acknowledge what Senator Menendez said, and that is dealing with people with disabilities so they have full opportunity is a human rights issue and one in which the United States needs to be in the leadership. And that's why I think the ratification of this treaty is so important. And Mr. Chairman, again, I want to thank you. I want to thank Senator Menendez. I want to thank the chairman and ranking member of the Judiciary Committee for leading the efforts on legislation so that we can, in fact, ratify uh, this very important treaty. And I think, uh, if I am correct in your testimony, that our laws already would comply with the requirements under this treaty, and that basically it's the U.S. law that would be the model that is being used under the Maragas Treaty. Is that basically correct? Yes, Senator Cardin, that is correct. And if I could just add one more point here. Obviously, the treaty has gone into effect because it reached its threshold number of ratifying states. We still have a large number that have not ratified this treaty. The impact of the United States ratifying this treaty being the largest source of material has its obvious importance in the implementation of this treaty. But would it also help other countries that, uh, to, to motivate them, perhaps, to, to join in the treaty? Yes, Senator, very much so. Um, one of the reasons that we should quickly ratify this treaty is because we very much think that other nations will be incentivized to join this treaty for all of the reasons that you and the other members of the committee have stated, that the United States has some of the largest collections of print materials, and it would be of great benefit to the print disabled community around the world to have access to all of these. So, so Mr. Chairman, I, I just really want to uh, encourage this committee to act as, as promptly as we can and, and to work with our, our, our colleagues in the Senate to, to move the ratification process because I do believe it's not only important for our country but a signal to many other countries uh, to ratify this agreement. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Senator Risch. Thank, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. I, I really don't have any questions. Uh, the uh, community uh, nationally and in Idaho has been very active in uh, pursuing uh, us to uh, ratify this treaty. And I've had the opportunity to uh, go over it uh, in detail. I think this is uh, something that really needs to be done quickly as, as has been uh, indicated and certainly has benefits not only for uh, Americans but uh, will, I think, benefit uh, people who are sight impaired uh, all over the world. So thank you very much for holding this hearing and let's see if we can't move it along. Absolutely, Senator Shaheen. Thank you, Mr. <clears throat> Chairman, and thank you, Assistant Secretary Singh, for your testimony. Um, I share the views of my colleagues that um, we need to get this done as quickly as possible, that it's very important for the visually impaired, not only in the United States, but around the world. And I just have one question, and that is, do you know any groups or individuals who are opposed to this treaty? No, Senator, I'm not aware of any opposition to the treaty. Well, thank you. I think, Mr. Chairman, that speaks to the importance of expediting this as quickly as possible. Thank you. I, I know that it's our norm to have an administration witness today, and we thank you for coming up. 
The fact is the administration supports the treaty. Uh, we don't know of anybody that opposes it. We've worked very, very closely with you all the way through and other members of the administration. I thank you for the way that you and others have worked with our staff on both sides of the aisle. And so, uh, unfortunately, we're not going to grill you today. We're not going to give you a hard time. Um, I know that you're disappointed and your family, family watching this will be very disappointed, but, uh, but uh, it's just a happy occasion. So thank you. Mr. For, Chairman, yeah. if, if, if the, if the Secretary is that disappointed, we can change that. Well, I, <laughs> uh, uh, Director Pompeo wishes this hearing was the same. So. <laughs> but with that, if you would, uh, uh, thank you, and we'll probably move to the second panel, who we have, have not uh, heard from directly. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Chairman Corker. It's been my honor to represent the administration on this committee. and on this treaty, and I do agree with all the members of the committee that we think this is a win for everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bertie. Okay, with the second panel, our first witness is Scott Labar, counsel to the National Federation of the Blind, a specialist in laws affecting the blind and disabled. Mr. Labar has served as the chair of the American Bar Association's Commission on Mental and Physical Disability Law. Our second witness is Alan Adler, Executive Vice President and General Counsel, Association of American Publishers. In his capacity, Mr. Adler leads the AAP's advocacy efforts with respect to copyright protection. Our third witness is Jonathan Band, an expert on intellectual property law. Mr. Band serves as counsel to the Library Cop Copyright Alliance, whose members include the American Library Association, the Association of Research Libraries, and the Association of College and Research Libraries. We thank you all for taking the time to be with us today. We look forward to your testimony. If you would begin and move through in the order introduced, we'd appreciate it. And if you could limit your comments to five minutes or less, we'd appreciate it. If you have any written materials um, that you'd like to provide to us, we're glad to accept those without objection. Mr. Lamar. Thank you, Senator Corker, uh, Ranking Member Menendez, and members of this committee. I want to bring, my, bring the greetings of our president, uh, Mark Riccobono and our 50,000-plus members across the United States. Also sitting behind me here is our immediate past president, Mark Maurer, uh, who I can either congratulate or blame for me sitting here today because it was nearly a decade ago that he asked me to start working on this thing that was sort of a treaty idea 
about advancing the rights of blind people throughout the world to access information. I have prepared some extensive written remarks and submitted those to your staff, and I do appreciate them being part of the record. When we talk about this issue, for those of us who are blind and otherwise print disabled, this is much more than a copyright issue. It is truly a human rights issue. We have said in the National Federation of the Blind, in fact, our founder, Dr. Jacobus Tenbrook, argued that the blind and other people with disabilities have a right to live in the world. Fundamental to that right is the right to access information. Blindness is a physical disability that restricts our ability to read the printed word. But as this committee knows, there are ways to provide that same information in alternative formats. The problem has been that the regular marketplace has not provided those accessible formats. And copyright law has stood as a barrier to producing those formats in a timely fashion. Additionally, international copyright law led us to a situation where even if we had created an accessible work here in the United States, we could not share that with others in the world. This has created what we have been calling the book famine for the blind. A moment about my personal story. I went blind at age 10. I loved to read. It was one of my favorite things to do. I thought that ability had been taken away from me forever. Soon, though, I realized I could learn Braille and use books on, in an audio format. And actually, at that time, these books came on vinyl records, believe it or not. <clears throat> and this was amazing. This was wonderful because, once again, I could read. But the problem was I was getting books months at a minimum, months after my sighted colleagues had received them, and oftentimes years. Later, I ran into another barrier when in college I was pursuing a double major in political science and Spanish. I had to drop that Spanish major because I could no longer get access to the kinds of materials I needed in Spanish. What is sad is those materials existed I just could not get my hands on them. So we have worked for many years to come to this point where this treaty is ready to be ratified by the United States and send to the world a signal that the right to access information is indeed a human right, a priority of the United States of America. I want to thank the US government and its delegation who worked very hard over the years to help us achieve the treaty. In particular, Justin Hughes, Professor Justin Hughes, who led the US delegation at that time. I also want to thank the other copyright stakeholders, the Association of American Publishers and the Library Copyright Alliance for their support over these many years. This has been a hard and arduous process because we've been talking about copyright. And even though I was not originally all that familiar with copyright law, I soon learned that copyright law is rather hotly contested, let us say. And for 
the key stakeholders to put aside their long-held differences and views about copyright and make the Marrakesh Treaty become real, we thank them very much. So at this point, uh, Senator Corker, I will stop and turn it over to my colleague, Alan Adler, and I'll be happy to answer questions when that's appropriate. Thank you so much, Mr. Adler. Thank you, Chairman Corker, Ranking Member Menendez, and members of the committee. AAP is the National Trade Association that represents leading U.S. book, journal, and education publishers on law and public policy issues. In the written statement I submitted, you can see the highlights of many different projects we've done to advance the cause of accessibility for the products of the industry. Before the digital age, laborious conversions of publishers' single format production files were required to achieve limited accessibility for people with print disabilities. Born accessible copies were unavailable in consumer markets, and most accessible copies had to be made by a few nonprofit suppliers with technical skills but limited resources, working with publishers or with publishers' consent so their copies would be considered legal. Today, digital applications enable many accessibility features to be built into publishers' production processes, publications, and content platforms, moving them closer to serving the extraordinary needs of people with print disabilities <coughs> through ordinary consumer markets. At its core, the Marrakesh Treaty internationally adopts key concepts of the Chafee Amendment, as was explained by Ms. Singh. AAP's support for the Marrakesh Treaty is a unique exception to our opposition to the WIPO's consideration of multilateral treaties comprised only of limitations and exceptions to the rights of copyright owners. And the reason for that is that the treaty is a special case, just as my friend Scott said, because it helps tackle the fundamental human rights issue of discrimination against individuals based on their personal disabilities. And it does so in a manner that directly echoes one of the key elements in US copyright law. Given its multilateral nature and particular importance for people with print disabilities in less developed countries, AAP understood that the treaty would have to follow uh, and allow optimal flexibility for compliance with its obligations in order to function across a diverse spectrum of national legal systems, cultural perspectives, and economic and technological resources and capabilities. We also knew the need to accommodate such diversity created special challenges for building predictability and accountability into its structure, particularly for the authorized entities that would be pivotal players in achieving its goals. The Obama administration's proposed implementing legislation fell short on this important issue, failing to incorporate the modest but nonetheless significant practices that authorized entities must establish and follow under Article 2C of the treaty. But S-2559, the proposed Marrakesh Treaty Implementation Act that notes the bipartisan leadership of this committee, along with that of the Senate Judiciary Committee as original co-sponsors, corrects this omission in a manner that is endorsed by AAP and other stakeholder advocacy groups. In conclusion, let me emphasize that AAP views the ratification and implementation of the Marrakesh Treaty as important transitional steps that are currently needed while publishers and their technology partners continue to make progress toward the shared goal of all stakeholders on this issue, a common marketplace where people with print disabilities can, at the same time, in the same manner, 
and at the same price as other consumers, purchase copies of published literary works and enjoy them without having to demonstrate special qualifications or depend on regulatory privileges for their availability. As born accessibility becomes increasingly common, a critical issue for publishers and authors will be the need for a commercially available exclusion in the Chafee Amendment and similar foreign copyright laws to acknowledge the transformed consumer landscape. Clearly, it would be unfair to allow regulatory measures like the Chafee Amendment to privilege competing free production and distribution of the same works in accessible copies. While copyright exemptions may be needed to serve a continuing safety net function until the availability of born accessible publications reaches its tipping point, or even afterwards for works that are extremely difficult to make accessible, Congress should anticipate an eventual need to add a commercially available exclusion to the Chafee Amendment when the marketplace indicates it's appropriate to do so. But that is not this day. And today, AAP looks forward to working with this committee and the Senate to ratify the Marrakesh Treaty, as well as working with the Senate and House Judiciary Committees and the rest of Congress to enact S-2559, the proposed Marrakesh Treaty Implementation Act. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mr. Mann. Uh, Mr. Corker, Ranking Member Menendez, members of the committee, I'm honored to testify today in support of Senate ratification of the Marrakesh Treaty. I represent the Library Copyright Alliance, which consists of the major American library associations. I'd like to make three points. Uh, first, ratification of the Marrakesh, Marrakesh Treaty will greatly enhance the ability of U.S. libraries to provide services to Americans with print disabilities. Second, the treaty, as we've heard, is based on existing exceptions in U.S. copyright law. And third, the treaty and implementing legislation have broad support among U.S. stakeholders. So first, the treaty will help U.S. libraries provide more accessible materials to Americans with print disabilities. Libraries in the United States currently serve the needs of people with print disabilities either by lending accessible copies made by the publishers or by making accessible copies themselves when accessible copies are unavailable. There is a specific exception in the U.S. Copyright Act known as the Chafee Amendment, which permits entities that provide services to print disabilities uh, to make and distribute accessible copies without infringing copyright. These entities, which Chafee calls authorized entities, include libraries. The Fair Use Doctrine supplements Chafee and enhances libraries' ability to make and distribute accessible copies. The problem is that many books published overseas are not available in U.S. libraries in accessible forms. Not even the HathiTrust Digital Library, which contains over 16 million volumes. This is particularly the case with books in languages other than the major European languages, which U.S. libraries have not collected in great numbers. This is where the Marrakesh Treaty comes in. The existing, the existing copyright laws of countries where these books are published usually permit domestic authorized entities to make and distribute accessible copies in those countries. These copyright laws, however, often do not authorize the export of the accessible copies to other countries. The treaty creates a legal system that enables the cross-border exchange of accessible copies among authorized entities of the countries that have joined the treaty. A country that joins Marrakesh must permit an, a domestic authorized entity to export accessible copies 
to an authorized entity in another Marrakesh country. And a Marrakesh country must allow its authorized entities to import accessible copies from authorized entities in other Marrakesh countries. With digital formats such as renewable Braille, Americans with print disabilities could receive access to foreign books within minutes of requesting them. Significantly, the treaty makes this happen only if both the exporting country and the importing country have joined the Marrakesh Treaty. 35 countries have ratified the treaty, including major foreign, uh, major foreign language publishing centers such as Argentina, Brazil, Israel, Russia, and South Korea. Moreover, the European Union has announced that it will ratify the treaty this July. Once we ratify the treaty, U.S. libraries will have access to the accessible copies in over 60 countries. This will greatly benefit Americans with print disabilities who are interested in reading books for research or pleasure. Second, the treaty is based on a provision of the U.S. Copyright Act. Earlier I mentioned the Chafee Amendment, the provision in our law that allows authorized entities to make and distribute accessible copies. The Marrakesh Treaty is based on Chafee. Like Chafee, the treaty operates by permitting authorized, entity, authorized entities to make and distribute accessible copies. Indeed, the treaty uses the same term as Chafee, authorized entity. This is no accident. The first draft of the treaty was developed by the U.S. delegation to WIPO. Because of the similarity between Chafee and the treaty, the implementing legislation introduced by Chairman Cork and Ranking Member Menendez makes only modest changes to U.S. law. Uh, finally, the treaty has broad support among all U.S. stakeholders. A broad spectrum of U.S. stakeholders, including rights holders, authorized entities, and the disabilities community, supported the treaty when WIPO members, member states adopted it in, in 2013. The same spectrum of stakeholders worked together to develop the implementing legislation and is sitting <coughs> here today at this table. Indeed, the three of us have been involved throughout the process, from Washington to Geneva to Marrakesh and back to Washington. I personally want to express my gratitude to Mr. Adler and Mr. Labar for all their labors to get us to this point. I would also like to thank the committee for holding this hearing today. Members of the committee, we urge the Senate to ratify the treaty expeditiously to ensure that Americans with print disabilities can, can benefit from it as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you all three for great testimony. And with that, uh, Senator Menendez. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you all for your testimony. And uh, it's nice when we get a harmonious panel here. That's <laughs> uh, not always the case. Uh, so as I understand it from your testimony, all three of you have been working on the Marrakesh Treaty and the implementing legislation since its inception. And I understand that you were in Marrakesh when the treaty was negotiated as well. So I think you've shared some of these, but what insights can you share from the negotiation process? Uh, and what do you see as the concrete benefits? Obviously, the most significant one being that uh, individuals who uh, are uh, reading impaired can, uh, because of their vision, will have now access to a world of, of books that they didn't have. Uh, but are there others as well? Scott? Well, indeed, there are many benefits uh, to this treaty, uh, and we've touched on many of them. Uh, I would argue that nearly uh, half a million uh, books will become available to Americans uh, in accessible formats when we ratify this treaty and when the EU comes on board. Uh, that 
is one of the benefits. Another is sending a message throughout the world that the right to access information is truly a human right. And I guess one of the insights that I learned is that when people come together uh, and work hard and share the same end goal, you can get across the finish line. Uh, you say today that we're a harmonious panel. We haven't always been harmonious, <laughs> let me assure you. When we went to Marrakesh in 2013, 37 issues remained unresolved in the treaty text. To give you some perspective on that, the Beijing Treaty for Performers of Audiovisual Works uh, started its diplomatic conference in 2012 with only two issues left to be sorted out. It took a, a tremendous amount of work and compromise in Marrakesh to get the deal done. In fact, the king of Morocco sent a message to the diplomatic conference that if we could not come to a consensus, he would close the airports. <laughs> so that incentivized us, and we got the deal done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. For those of you who are here today, this is uh, not the norm in our <laughs> uh, this, You've given me, Mr. Labar, some ideas of how we might get things done in Washington. Uh, uh, just very quickly, I gathered this from your testimony, but I just for the record want to make sure it's pinpoint accurate. Mr. Adler and Mr. Ben, all, have all the aspects of the implementing legislation been resolved to the satisfaction of the stakeholders in the publishing and library industries? Yes, uh, Senator, as I said, um, we had uh, uh, the difficulty of working uh, not only with many different nations that have different legal systems and cultural perspectives, but remember we were working with uh, developed countries, less developed countries, and the least developed countries who need this treaty perhaps more than anyone else does. Um, and, and given that, that um, uh, broad spectrum of interest, the ability to accommodate um, the diversity through uh, a process that would ensure some predictability and accountability for the manner in which works would be exchanged across borders, no longer just within the United States, as was the case under the Chafee Amendment during the first 20 years of its existence, but now pursuant to an international agreement that means all of these member states that become contracting parties will now be able to reproduce and distribute copies of works and exchange them across borders with other countries. So the idea of predictability and accountability was important. Mm -hmm. As you might imagine, uh, in an international group uh, of member states, there are different ideas about what constitutes predictability and accountability. The last issue for us was the need to address the inclusion in a revised Chafee Amendment of the provisions of the treaty that address the practices of authorized entities. Because it is going to be those government agencies and nonprofit organizations in each of the contracting parties who will be engaged in the cross-border exchange of copyrighted works. And we wanted to make sure that they followed their practices. The practices that were agreed upon in the treaty are relatively modest. What an, uh, an authorized entity is supposed to do is establish and follow its own practices to establish that persons it serves are beneficiary persons, 
eligible under the treaty to be able to receive these types of accessible format copies. Limit to beneficiary persons and authorized entities distribution and making available of accessible format copies. Discourage the reproduction, distribution, and making available of unauthorized copies. And finally, to maintain due care in and records of its handling of copies of works while respecting the privacy of beneficiary persons in accordance with the treaty. We wanted to make sure that US law implementing the treaty reflected those aspects of the treaty because those aspects of the treaty had not been part of the original provision in the US Copyright Act. Mm -hmm. And that's why we think that the legislation that the chairman and ranking member have co-sponsored with the bipartisan leadership of the Senate Judiciary Committee takes care of that problem. Well, I'll close on just saying the unanimity here is important to the successful passage in the Senate, which requires a supermajority vote uh, for a treaty. Uh, and uh, I thank all of you for the work, the hard work uh, that has made this moment possible. And uh, Mr. Labar, I just would say that uh, uh, you're an extraordinary example of when we give uh, individuals uh, the tools uh, of the incredible capacity and ability they have to uh, succeed. And uh, I salute you and thank you all for your testimony. Thank you. Senator Kane. Thank you to the chair and ranking and thank you to all who are here on behalf of this. I, I think it's a wonderful achievement. I love it when our committee grapples with treaty questions. It's a an important role that the Senate has, and like anything else, it's sort of a muscle memory thing. The more you do it, the stronger you get, and the less you do it, the weaker you get, and I'm glad we're doing it on this important cause. Uh, Neil Yap wrote a piece in the New York University Journal of Intellectual Property and Entertainment Law just recently uh, about the treaty, and, the, and he says this, Marrakesh lights a beacon into the minds of a part of society that copyright law has left behind, a treaty that upholds rights merely reestablishes human decency and equal opportunity. Morality cannot be measured in opportunity cost. The true costs of neglecting this segment of society, however, are the contributions that never came to be during decades of stifled potential. Rights enable creation, creations become contributions. Marrakesh is not merely about moral progress, but cultural and scientific progress as well. I echo that sentiment. And similar sentiments have been expressed to me from my librarians uh, in Virginia. And I just want to read one uh, wonderful story. Um, in Virginia Beach, uh, there's a library that has about uh, 18,000 uh, items that are accessible to folks with visual disabilities. And most of them are disabled veterans. Even with 18,000 items, and that would make this library one of the probably most comprehensive in Virginia, they don't have enough to meet the demand because they're not only serving their patrons, but they're lending materials out to schools, to book clubs, to assisted living homes, and other places that are short on resources. Susan Paddock, the director of this library, the Bayside and Special Services Library in Virginia Beach, which is Virginia's largest city, says this, for many of my patrons, this is their lifeline. They're voracious readers, and it's not uncommon for them to read five to 10 books per week, but they eventually run out. Can you imagine what it would be like to have no more books to read? Uh, that made a very big impression upon me, and I just uh, don't have questions for you because I don't want to upset the apple cart when it looks like <laughs> things are going well, and my questions often do that. Um, but, I'll just, but, I'll, but I'll just say I, I join the uh, chair in ranking first in thanking them for their advocacy, but really for the hard work of bringing together disparate points of view to, as Mr. LeBaire said in his uh, 
written testimony, get, get aboard the train uh, using the Marrakesh Express line. I like that a lot. I echo it. I think we should do it, and I'm glad to be here at the hearing. Thanks, thank Mr. You. Chair. Thank you. We thank all of you for being here. I, I you know, could ask questions, but um, we've worked so well together in advance of this. This is a very unusual process where this has all been vetted. Um, Y'all have worked very closely with our staff and others. We know that um, the fact that there's no controversy around this today with differing interests being represented speaks to that. So what we will do is leave the record open for written questions through the close of business tomorrow, excuse me, on Friday. If you could uh, answer those fairly promptly, we know you have other responsibilities, we would appreciate it. Uh, again, we thank you not only uh, for uh, your efforts to help Americans, but to help people all around the world. Um, and the United States has been a leader. You have helped us in this particular case continue to be so. We appreciate that very much. And uh, without further ado or any other strong controversy, um, which none of, none of which exists today, um, we will adjourn the meeting and thank you for your efforts. Thank you.